you need someone who is like savagely hungry to really build, to not be complacent and become satisfied with what they've built. And I think 2022 can be a huge year. Hi, everyone. This is Growing Web3, a podcast that uncovers the growth stories behind the most successful crypto, DeFi, DAO, NFT, metaverse, and play-to-earn ecosystems. I'm your host, James RT, and each week I'll be sitting down with founders and experts on Web3 to pick their brains and learn about their growth stories. We'll discuss strategies and tactics to understand how they've grown Web3's billion-dollar protocols and communities. So whether you're in the midst of your own growth story or just getting started, this show is for you. Subscribe and join us each week as we discuss Growing Web3. Growing Web3 is brought to you by Hype Partners, the leading community management and marketing agency for Web3 organizations. Hype is a global agency of 120 marketers committed to supercharging Web3 ecosystems. Go to www.hype.partners to learn more. Hey everyone, welcome to Growing Web3. I'm super excited to kick off this episode today with DeFi Dad. He is my favorite educator in the space, an awesome growth mind. He's currently investing through a fund and also an advisor to many projects. I'll let him give you a little intro to himself. Great to have you on. Uh, my honor, James. Great to join you and thanks so much for the the kind words and Really admire the hard work you guys are doing as an agency and partner to a lot of Web3 projects. So much love to those of you out there who are attempting to market and educate Web3 and, and crypto to, to everyone. Awesome. Thank you so much. So maybe we can kick off. You can tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got into the crypto space. I've been in crypto now through a bull and a bear cycle. And now hopefully this is a, another bull cycle that's continuing. Not sure if the bull has ended, but wherever we are. I joined in 2017. I was working in a pretty typical sort of tech job. I worked across sales and marketing teams. I actually worked in the San Francisco Bay Area. So got to work with a lot of really like, you know, talented household brands in tech. But I, I had a background actually in chemistry. And I eventually quit a chem PhD program and got into software. And I always had this sort of like lingering desire to work on, I think, more complex problems. When I started learning about Bitcoin and Ethereum in, I would say, like summer of 2017, probably closer to the fall, it, it just felt like this mashup of like everything that appealed to me. You know, there was uh, economics to it. There was its own sort of language. There was like a steep learning curve in terms of tech. And I, I, I really enjoyed, part of my job was to try to help people implement software systems and help them to understand how to use it, help them to understand how to diagnose their own problems and solve it with software. So I was kind of looking at everything really being built with Ethereum at the time, or that was promised and thinking like, wow, like this is, this is like a global software sort of platform, but built for money and finance applications. And this is going to be huge. It's going to take a long time. I remember thinking that it'll be 10 years before anything's built. So you fast forward to 2018. I had bought a little bit of crypto in 2017 and, um, Got to watch it all you know, crash to 90% below in 2018. But the, the best decision I ever made, and this is the, there should be the one takeaway if anyone's listening to this in the future, I realized I want to work full time on this. Like it's when you're working with cryptocurrencies, digital assets, Web3, whatever you want to call it, you're working with software that's accessible globally to anyone. Um, as long as they're brave enough to click and, you know, hopefully assuming they have internet, maybe like a mobile phone and hopefully not geofenced out from certain applications that are hosted in countries that, you know, prevent you from allowing anyone to use it. So anyways, long story short, it felt like this is the most like sort of impactful problem you could work on. And so I got to work at Consensus for two years, worked there mostly as like a marketer across multiple projects. And also as kind of like a project manager, I eventually landed working in live events. So 
I was really drawn originally to Ethereum through this event called Ethereal. And I heard all these incredible speakers and got really inspired. And that's what pushed me over the edge of like, I got to work here. So it kind of came full circle. I got to work on that same event. As we were planning those events, I was getting to know founders, kind of meeting with them the same way I would have in my old job. But part of convincing them to speak was I would kind of like check out their their application. And, and this was 2019. So there was very few DeFi apps built. As I played with them, I, I realized as I was just doing this as research to make conversation that like they work really well. <laughs> but, um, I was like, wow, like everyone told me that applications were not going to happen for many years and that the design in Web3 was horrific. Well, I'm playing with them and thinking, if you can get past the self-custody and using something like a MetaMask or some sort of Web3 wallet, you know, like a browser extension wallet, this is pretty dang easy. I mean, this this looks and feels like like the best fintech apps, except fintech is a Band-Aid solution on top of this broken plumbing system, which is the finance infrastructure. Whereas with DeFi, the plumbing has been fixed. And so now we're just building these new applications to make them look, you know, sexy and appealing to the average user. Yeah. I mean, by the time it was end of 2019, I remember I was like, I mean, I was just obnoxious with friends and family and coworkers just rambling about like this, this is it. This is the, this is what we were all building towards. I just didn't realize it was coming so soon and it feels like no one knows about it. And like, you got to check this out. You can earn high interest and, and it's like low risk and it's, it's actually safer, I would say than like the traditional finance system by mid 2020, that was when DeFi summer exploded. And I was, I was then, I had um, taken on this pseudo anonymous identity of DeFi dad and was posting tutorials and tips and sharing screenshots of all the stuff I was using, making video tutorials through YouTube. And I got lucky. I just volunteered across as many projects as I could. At the time, it was like projects like what would become Zapper, pull together and compound and curve. And Zapper was kind enough to hire me. And then that was really it. Once I got into Zapper, I got to work there for a year in community and marketing and sort of like operations, customer support. I was the second hire. So you just, you know, we, we did everything. After being there a year, I was pretty hungry to work with more teams again. Zapper is an incredible company because they work with everyone in DeFi. I wanted a little more freedom and, and the team was kind enough to uh, transition me to an advisor and, and I joined where I'm now at Fourth Revolution Capital. So we invest full-time in, in DeFi, Web3, and NFT-related projects. And yeah, it's been a joy ever since. So we're, we've actually, we've invested in about 40 plus teams now. And we just, uh, we kind of look to work with teams almost like an agency, I'd say, and less of a fund. We look to provide a service, whether it's tokenomics or help with marketing or help with governance or just be a shoulder to cry on when founders are upset about something. Anyways, that's that's where I am today. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, you touched on how, yeah, in 2019, you started using these products and then you realize like actually they're pretty, you know, once you know the basics, like the foundations of Web3, they're pretty easy to use. Yeah, for me, and I know a load of my friends that I told to get into DeFi who thank me a lot now, Loads of them have watched your your videos, your tutorials, your, read your guides. I was just going to ask like a general question. So, yeah, if you had to tell people what DeFi education looks like at the moment, like how would you explain? I know a lot is on YouTube, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I would say, yeah, YouTube is helpful. There's a mix still on YouTube. You, you, YouTube is inundated with crypto uh, moon boys, you know, videos about like what you should buy. And I recognize there's, there's actually quite a bit of like dishonesty. There's some great folks out there too. I, I really admire um, some of the bigger guys like, and I've gotten to know these guys too. So I probably have a little bias, but I think on YouTube, Coin Bureau is really impressive. I think he tries to be very objective. I've only been watching some of his content for the past like 
year or so, I've gotten to really know uh, Lark Davis, who has been around for a long time, but I, I have watched him mature into, I think he's a really good storyteller. He's very good about like helping you to understand the crypto relevant news along with sort of like DeFi. These guys too, though, have pivoted a, a lot because there's really like the number one place, number one places on YouTube for me now are uh, the Defiance YouTube. So I I have been working with the Defiant and known Cami since she was starting it in 2019. Um, I met her through an ethereal conference, actually. I, I just think it's remarkable what Robin, who leads their YouTube, what he does there. You know, he's a lifetime filmmaker. So when you go to the Defiant.io, if you go to their YouTube, his content isn't, you know, simple sort of like editing that most of us can can do. That guy is literally making like short films about DeFi and NFT. It's incredible. So, it's incredible. Like they all have storylines. Yeah, yeah. The, like they're entertaining to watch. So like, so I mean, you asked like the state of like DeFi education content. I mean, there's newsletters, which, you know, props to the likes of the Defiant and Bankless and ETH Hub. And there's all sorts of ones that have sprung up now. But then there's... Twitter is still an incredible place to just, you know, I mean, there's there's, <laughs> there's definitely some less good behavior there at times, but there's so much free knowledge that's being shared there. We talked about YouTube a bit. Bankless YouTube also is wonderful. And God, there's just, there's so much. There, there's, there's so much that's been created. The question, of course, is like what you're trying to learn about. And I, I still think like we, we made a series through the Defiant called DeFi 101. We made it back in... December 2020, I think. And those videos for DeFi 101, they're, they're also in a playlist called DeFi for Beginners on my YouTube at defidad.com. Those, those videos, you, you don't need to understand much more than like, I mean, what is money? Like if you watch it, like these are really basic sort of explainer videos that are about two to three minutes long. So yeah, I mean, it depends on your ability to like, do you like to listen? Do you like to watch? Do you like to read? And again, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little biased, but I feel like the defiant to me checks off all of that. Like, I think it's still like the best place. It's the most sort of objective viewpoint, but I have a lot of love for the guys at David and Ryan at Bankless, of course, and ETH Hub and and then also there's all these opportunities now with cross-chain DeFi. So I'm excited that there was a gap that was left there and the Defiant has been trying to be that. I, props to Coindesk too as well. Coindesk actually pivoted really hard into uh, covering DeFi a few years ago. The block too. So yeah, it's it's everywhere. Whenever you watch a video, my one bit of advice is look for or listen for disclosures Gosh, I left out a few like Block Crunch as a podcast. I loved what Jason Choi does. He's such a good person too. Like the, he really tries to cover everything and not just what he owns. And you got Tom Shaughnessy with the Delphi podcast. Those those guys have been incredibly thorough for years covering all these topics. So it's really important. And I think so. I was giving examples there. The Defiant. I know Jason. I believe does this. Tom Shaughnessy does it. I'm, I try to be very intentional about doing it. If if I talk about a project, just disclose whether you're an advisor, whether you hold tokens. You, if you have any sort of benefit, if there's upside to like what you're talking about, like you should disclose it. And it's something that I think our industry has gotten much better at. So yeah, check out all that content, but just listen carefully we all have a certain bias when we talk about, me included, when I, if I talk about a project that we invested in through 4RC, sure, we have enough conviction to have invested, but I'm also going to like, you know, I'm doubtful that I'm going to like, you know, speak super critically about something that I'm, I'm involved with. And so. Those are all incredible resources. So uh, I'll make sure to add those resources to the show notes so people can look up and this podcast as well duh like this is this is why we're here yeah 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 i'll make sure to add those resources to the show notes so everyone can check them out so i mean yeah i guess that kind of touches on the next question i have so education in DeFi is a form of marketing 
it's it's important for people to learn. The first thing people do when they see a new protocol pop up, they might see it on Twitter. The first thing they do is they look on Twitter at their Twitter page. They might join their Discord, see what's happening in there. And then they might look for like a guide on like how to actually use the project. Because a lot of these protocols, they the UI is pretty simple. But you often want to know a bit more, like, how do I actually use this? How do I maybe deposit some assets or you know, trade whatever the protocol's for. The DeFi education side is really like a next step with a lot of other tech products. You don't have that step, right? So I was just, yeah, wondering. And also you mentioned disclosures is something that uh, should happen when there's uh, educators making content. So I was wondering what you find different about DeFi education from any other types of kind of education out there. I mean, so I think the, you know, the most like blunt truth around it is that like, if you're educating on just about anything, I mean, unless it's like a, like, you know, stocks or crypto, it's, it's impossible to separate, you know, objective views from your own biases. And so I love, like one of my favorite things is I love interviewing founders from projects that I have no money in, that I have nothing to do with, because I know that I'm just there being curious, learning. Actually, if anything, I found that, man, I interviewed Jeff from Axie Infinity in November 2020. And oh my gosh, I just like, it's painful when I think back on it. This was right as their token was going live. But I knew Axie for years. I wasn't like really active in it. I respected them. And here I am learning about it. I get off the call and I remember thinking to myself, like, I should probably buy the token. I mean, there's a lot of reasons based on our interview. I have such a fear of just not remaining objective that at that time I remember thinking, you know what, I'm not going to do it because I feel like I just gather all this sort of like important knowledge that was literally shared publicly all on YouTube and Twitter. But I just, I don't know, I, I don't know what it was, but that was a huge mistake. And I, I will not let that happen again, especially if it's public. Like if it's public, then then it's not a problem. What What does matter to me is you have to work really hard to continually try to discover and cover new projects. I think I'm doing a semi-decent job now. Like I I recognize a few years ago, like just everything was new and it it was just such a high to work on all of that. I wasn't invested in any of these projects. Now this space like literally has new projects launching every day. And so, you know, I think a good example is AP Wine is a protocol for fixed interest lending. And it allows you to tokenize future yield. It's a really clever project. You know, I'm not invested in the project. I am invested actually in competitors of theirs. Part of the reason I like really was excited to talk with them, get to know them. I've written tutorials now about AP Wine. I recognize like by getting to know them as a team, writing about them, learning about the application it pushes you to remain open-minded. Same thing with cross-chain DeFi. Like my heart is still in Ethereum projects, but I'm very grateful I became friends with and got to know projects that are built on Luna and Polygon and uh, Near, Avalanche, Solana. I was like, I have to like get to know these projects and try them with my own money or else I'm going to fall victim to just closing my mind off and and saying like the end of the road is at Ethereum, just like what I've kind of seen, what what I really criticized about Bitcoin maximalists and and sort of shutting off their mind at Bitcoin and and not being open to like everything else that will be built after. So, you know, anyways, TLDR is the difference in content is, is, and this will be the, the last time I'll talk too much about it is, is just, the fact that you you own something that truly could go up in value because as people learn about it, one of the one of their choices after learning about something is they could choose to buy a token. You kind of have, if you believe in you know like the butterfly effect, like you can have some small bit of impact on lots of people if if you create a great piece of content. And that's why most DeFi projects, most Web three projects, when they launch. It's pretty standard now to put out medium posts that sort of outline how to use it. 
It's normal to maybe put together some short videos. Um, I think we as a space are doing a really good job of that, even though there's a lot of steep learning curves to using these, um, these new applications. The content you have, I'm sure, has helped a lot of people in a lot of ways, um, financially, but also just, yeah, with uh, the education side. But I mean, it can have a huge impact. I know uh, friends who, from some YouTube videos, have gone off and then made a career out of, uh, out of DeFi. It's extremely exciting. Like, yeah, I watched some YouTube videos and I realized that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. So, you know. <laughs> I write uh, normally a DeFi alpha guide, which is really just like a rundown of all the yields you can farm in the Defiant. Every Friday, I will write in uh, newsletters like Lark Davis has me write. I write up a, a little uh, tutorial uh, once a week, at least there. I'm trying to create videos weekly on my own YouTube, a lot of which have, some of which have shifted to like an interview format where we screen share. I really would like to get back to doing more like in-depth videos, just myself. And I'm actually working with a collaborator now on like how to like make time to do that. The one sort of like constant in all of this is I really try to think hard about continuing to post where anyone can see that content. The Defiant is a gated newsletter, but it's not in terms of the DeFi alpha guide. I've never quite understood why that worked out that way, but Cammy was kind enough to to set that up. YouTube, I recognize people have to like, you know, it's it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We're trying to grow Web3 and we're posting on YouTube. But that being said, it's a huge distribution channel and anyone can see it. Twitter's the same thing, except for maybe a few countries in the world. I have at times thought about making gated content and I would tell anyone, I guess I wouldn't discourage them from doing it if they feel like that's their only path to being able to like work full time in this space. But I do think that marketers for Web3 companies are going to make a lot of content. That's the key to growing. Um, And a lot of it should be educational content. When you make free content or at least something that someone can watch without having to pay money versus like pay with your eyeballs on YouTube. It just opens the door to that many more people benefiting from it. And for me, I'll say it's opened. That's what's opened all those doors. Like years ago, if you would have told me three, four years ago, you're going to get to work, you know, on a fund with folks who are really passionate about you know, putting money into really radical ideas and working, you know, every day with founders that are, are you know, these brilliant coders, but also marketers and so on. I mean, I, I it was so, it was something that, that seemed like impossible, like that it was going to take decades to be able to get there. But what opened up all the doors was actually putting myself out there and volunteering lots of time to different projects. I mean, just at this point, I've probably done free content for at least like a hundred plus projects. And, and I was doing all of that, like this was before the bull run too. So things like that, they come full circle. If you're really kind to others and you try to do good work and you try to be just helpful to others, I, I do think it comes full circle. And I mean, again, like I'm, I'm just so grateful for what few doors it's opened up for me, um, in the past few years. The more you put into this space, the more you get back. Often it's not a linear, like the, the things you get back, you know, it's not like a monthly wage. It's like someone might give you some crazy opportunity in two months. They might hit you up or you might start chatting to some super interesting person on Discord or you might bump into some founders in the future who say, thank you so much. That was, you know, that video was awesome. It's really cool. I think that's great advice for people just start putting stuff out and good things will come back if you uh, keep, if you stay consistent. I was going to ask you what projects, which projects in the space do you think have the best educational content resources available? That is a great question. Actually, one I left out earlier and and this being where I used to work is is Zapper. Zapper has, it's learn.zapper.fi. So this was an initiative I got to help start in, I think it was the spring 2021 before that, actually, I was focused on creating, I, I started doing Zapper TV. And so we did about 100 episodes, a little over 100 episodes. 
we would just interview leading founders and investors and try to screen share with them all of the different applications they were building. So so I think Zapper still has has a huge like sort of vault of content. And those all those episodes from Zapper TV, there's no new episodes now. We we decided to stop making regular episodes, but it's those are all up there at tv.zapper.fi. I really love what StakeDAO did. StakeDAO has just awesome articles written there. That plus, I don't think they have any video, but if you like to read, StakeDAO has some really good videos. I really like StakeDAO's content. They recently published some content on on options vaults. I think they have a similar. That's cool. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, see, that that's a difficult topic to cover. Buying puts and calls, you know, automatically for you. And that's a firstly a super cool product. Ribbon originally uh, created a product like that. And then StakeDAO also have their version of that type of product. And yeah, it's super interesting. And I think they have some great content, which helps you dig in to what's happening under the hood. Oh, you know, it's called StakeDAO Academy. I didn't realize that. So it's, yeah, StakeDAO Academy. If you go to academy.stakedow.org, Julian, I think his, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, but Boot and Loop, he, he is a, he is like a master executor, just really impressive all the different things that he has like a hand in. And this this is another example of that. There it is, your end-to-end learning hub for all things crypto and DeFi. So there was um, Zapper Learn, there's StakeDAO Academy. So I don't want to go down the path of like media, but I've already talked a little bit about the Defiant. In terms of Web3 projects, Rabbit Hole is really impressive. Obviously, they're like a learning platform. So that's, I think that Rabbit Hole, I was actually thinking of them just the other day because, so there's a guy at the gas station near me who, he's very nice. When I go in there, he's probably about the same age. He gra- he claims he graduated from college a few years ago and kind of like has, he's just, just in being like a nice person, he's just shared with me before that, you know, he had to move home. His parents got sick. He really wants to get back into like a job related to like what his degree was. And anyways, long story short, I I was, I actually thought of rabbit hole and told him the other day, like, you should check this out. You know, I'm not saying it will guarantee getting you a job, but like you clearly have an interest that aligns with the crypto space, but you, you, you're going to have to do a lot of learning to catch up. If you can do that, you know, I feel like all the traditional tech jobs are there, whether you're in customer support, you're in a discord, you know, operations, marketing, if you get into marketing. So anyways, Ra- rabbit hole is another one that I uh, really admire. They're, they've, they've been at the forefront of like incentivizing learning and basically like you can like learn to earn through rabbit hole. And I think they've got a bunch of other cool ideas that are sort of like cooking up there. But yeah, those are some good examples. I I think without, I mean, there's so many now that like everyone puts out helpful content, you know, when it relates to their own product. But I think like if you're talking about more broad content, those are definitely some of the standouts. Awesome. Awesome. Just to touch on rabbit hole, I think they've done an amazing job onboarding people just because it's really step-by-step step. like they they have great content which helps people like you know once they've got a wallet be able to connect to rabbit hole then complete i think they're called quests you do your first few uh, quests or tasks and then you earn your first bit of crypto and i think that's like a magic moment you know the first time you've got some crypto in metamask you're like, okay wow now i can do stuff and it kind of opens up everything else I think it's like quite a big leap of faith to get that first amount of crypto. So being able to earn it by contributing to different protocols in one way or another is is a really awesome concept. You bring up another good point though. When we we were talking earlier about like what's different about DeFi or Web3 content, I mean, this is learning. When you create any sort of educational content, at the end of that, the end, the end result is that someone in most cases can make some money. I mean, that they should be able to go out, especially if it, if it's passive ways of earning income, which, which is really like, I think what 
always got me initially excited about DeFi. And I think it's, it's still like the part of the messaging that like I want to champion is I, I'm never going to be writing blog posts about like, you should buy this token. You should make this trade. I'm a terrible trader and I'm a very long-term investor. So like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like follow the market and and look for specific use cases and identify like early demand for certain types of use cases that we can invest in. But the thing that anyone can get access to now is, you know, earning interest on stable coins. Or if you hold something and you're long already, you know, if I hold Ether and I intend to hold it as a long-term investment, why wouldn't you hold it as uh, Steph by Lido hold a staked a liquid staking version of the token and and earn rewards for doing nothing. You know, if I can do something and then just sit on it for an extended period of, of time, you know, for me that's months, years. It's it's hard to project something being available for years because we're so early. So that that is to me like. That's one of the more powerful parts of like if you watch a video, read a you know a tutorial, listen to a podcast, most of the time there's action that you can take there. And that's powerful. I mean, especially for, you know, I've talked to friends in I mean all parts of the world, but like if you normally struggled to get access to let's say the US dollar and you have a a high inflation sort of a fiat currency. Getting access to stable coins alone is like that's like selling your your shitcoin fiat for you know uh, something like the U.S. dollar, which is is still, despite people's criticism, is is undeniably the best fiat currency in the world. So if you can gain access to that and then earn additional income, like through something like the Anchor Protocol, earning twenty percent, or uh, using like a a fixed interest protocol like notional finance. There's so much opportunity there that I think wealthy, rich people, people who live comfortably, who have the privilege of living in peace and don't have to worry about, you know, an invasion into their country or they don't have to worry about their government seizing their money overnight in a bank account. That's what Web3 and all these opportunities through DeFi that's the real like lasting impact here that we're building towards. It just takes time. It's having that impact in certain parts of the world because there are vibrant communities who are communicating all this with one another in their own native language, helping to sort of bridge the gap of what they don't understand. There's some incredible DeFi groups in uh, Latin America, especially Ar- Argentina is definitely one place that just has has a lot of DeFi users. It has a lot of, you know, long-term crypto holders. And so I I don't know all of their stories, but what I have gathered, what, you know, what few friends and acquaintances I've made, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's remarkable, like what they've been able to do. I mean, these are, these are people who are living a totally different lifestyle because they, they can get access to DAI or to UST by by Terra or even a, a centralized stable coin like USDC. These are life rafts for a lot of people around the world. And, and that's, I think that's what we're all sort of hopefully educating towards is I'm not worried about some trust fund kid in college, like reading an article about DeFi. I, I welcome them to the community, but I mean, you know, that, that person already has like quite a leg up in life. I'm interested in the person who is like, if I can just earn, you know, a small amount of interest while holding a stable coin, like, you know, this is the sort of thing that can allow me to to start to not have my savings wiped out and like earn some bit of interest and build some bit of wealth, even like take out a loan. Like that's one of the crazier things that is, I think, still unappreciated is the ability to frictionlessly take out a loan in DeFi Problem is you need to have more money than what you're borrowing. But again, like you can't solve everything at once. Like we'll get to under collateralized lending eventually. I feel like the first few waves of people have come into DeFi. I mean, the industry is a few years old with like, you know, active kind of 
with significant amount of active users. And so we've got this whole next wave to come in. And I feel like it's going to be really interesting to see how they come in. I like, I was surprised when things like Binance Smart Chain launched how it like propelled the amount of people that just got MetaMask and started interacting with protocols through MetaMask and just like rapidly increased the amount of users there. So I'm interested to see uh, how many more people come in through MetaMask or through, you know, different front ends. Will they be interacting with Ethereum, Luna, Avalanche, uh, Celo? I know they're doing a lot of work in uh, yeah, developing regions. So it's going to be super fun to see. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You make a great point. Like, I wonder, like, what is that next mass onboarding sort of tool? Because I think I live through, like, the biggest inflection point for Zapper. That, like, summer 2020 through summer 2021 I'm trying to remember some of the numbers now, but like we, we just grew like crazy. We grew to a point, I want to say we had many millions in terms of unique wallets, but like just every number was up and to the right. And and of course we were trying to push like, you know, use this tool. It's your all-inclusive tool. All you need is something like MetaMask. And once you have a, a Web3 wallet, you, this this thing can basically be like, you're everything. You can trade, you can lend, you can, you know, you can be a liquidity provider. I have a lot of respect too for like the guys at uh, Zerion has pioneered that for a very long time as well. So, so like they're, they're doing that. And then you have D-Bank came along and, and created this great like dashboard for everyone to track their assets. I really had a lot of love for Argent. I still do, but like two years ago, this was two years ago. I want to say this was before DeFi summer. Argent was growing like crazy because they created this beautiful wallet and they had this closed walled sort of garden where you could do anything. Gas exploded and a lot of other things happened and made made their wallet less usable. But their wallet combined with L2s, like um, you have uh, ZK rollup based L2s like ZK EVM and Starkware, Starknet, I think is their main net that will go live this year. Once those are up and everything's plugged into L2, I mean, my thinking is like L1 will still be a place that some of us choose to transact. There will be certain opportunities, but I, I, you know, just like an elevated sort of highway, there are certain folks who will just, you know, they'll never get off that elevated highway and they'll be able to enjoy the same sort of deep liquidity. All the like new and interesting applications will be built on that. We've already seen that happen with side chains or just alternative L1s that are that are flourishing. To me, they're like little cities. They have their own sort of like, you know, they have their own sort of community and user base who have a certain loyalty because they're there working together. They all hold a token together. It's just that Ethereum is this like much larger landmass. So I, I also think there's even a chance going back to the onboarding tools. We had wallets, we had dashboards like Zapper and Zerion. I think another tool for mass onboarding, and this this will sound very anti-DeFi, but I could see Coinbase offering all of these like yield opportunities, what they need is they need rapid implementations or integrations of new yield opportunities, which I can't talk about it today, but like I know of one project of uh, like well-established uh, veteran builder in the space that it will allow us to do this, to build the piping to basically stand up and incentivize new yield opportunities, which I think someone like a Coinbase could use. And that's exciting because not everyone in the world needs to self-custody. Not everyone needs to use something like MetaMask. If you would rather have full-time customer support and you live in a part of the world where you are willing to trust someone like a Coinbase or a Gemini or you know who else, whoever, if, if that's your decision, you know, as an adult managing their own money, like then I think it would be really, really cool to offer those yields as like one click yields. So I'm pretty optimistic that Coinbase or one of these other exchanges will offer that eventually. By the way, I've been a long time Coinbase user, so I'm, um, I'm probably more favorable to them versus like, I definitely have my 
my uh, hesitations about like Binance and other places or other exchanges. I love that idea because Coinbase and centralized exchanges have helped to rapidly grow the space in terms of crypto. Then we had this explosion of of self-custody users on chain with DeFi. You know, we, today we have like 210 billion uh, cross chains when we had less than a billion back in the December 2020. So my thinking is that there is a, a happy future where we continue to use centralized exchanges, some users do, but then they can easily move their money from like a Coinbase directly to an L2. So I'm excited for them to like build out direct integrations. Brian Armstrong, if you ever listen to this, please, my God, like just build direct bridges to all the L2s. Wow, I don't know what we're waiting on. Brian, also, if you're listening to this or when you listen to it, also next Super Bowl ad is uh, going to be for DeFi. The, the QR code one was cool, but next one, we want it for DeFi. Uh, push people towards our DeFi yield space. Who knows if uh, if FTX just keeps growing? They they my God those those guys might end up buying everybody out. They are just uh, yeah they don't stop the DeFi community. Like my view is the future is self custody, but that a lot of the challenges and the the risks to holding your own private keys or being in charge of like your own money without the fallback of like an exchange in parts of the world where you can even you know, you have the privilege of being able to like trust partners like that to custody your funds. I do think we move towards a maximally decentralized technology powered future. So like I I do think DeFi is going to outpace the growth of centralized exchanges. But I think we've already seen the likes of like a Coinbase, Gemini and others who are, they're trying to figure out like, how do we continue to operate and serve a certain customer base, but also work together, you know, with this, with, you know, the, the greater world of DeFi builders. So they've done a great job of listing tokens, which I think helps to create more exposure for those who want exposure to DeFi tokens. You know, at the same time, like there is somewhat of a threat to their business. And, you know, we haven't even talked about NFTs here today, but like that's the next step that I'm excited to see is to see centralized exchanges offer NFTs the way that like an OpenSea does. And OpenSea is a centralized company as of today as well. But I think probably a decentralized version of OpenSea, if OpenSea doesn't decentralize itself in the future, is probably the way forward. All I know is there is insatiable demand. There's tons of fees to be earned from selling NFTs. If you are willing to build a platform that shares those fees with a community of token holders, you're going to create more loyalty than the centralized partners. I mean, they just, it's difficult to compete with. So. Absolutely. It's the community ownership. Like I know we're here because we believe decentralized and community owned will win over centralized and shareholder owned. Yeah. That's the thesis to watch out for. So I've got one last question for you. This is a fun one. I'm trying to ask it to everyone. So if uh, you could be the CMO of any company in the Web3, crypto, DeFi space, which one would it be and why? This is a hard one, but then the answer actually I'm thinking is is much easier. I I would never want to be CMO of any Web3 company. I was very fortunate to get to work on some marketing initiatives through Zapper. I think the job is just so difficult because it's actually a a legacy problem for marketers. Marketing is something that everyone thinks they understand and know about. You know, they've seen a commercial, they've, they've, they used Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media, you know, they have armchair expert opinions on how you're supposed to market and um, I think it's this this sort of challenge to market Web3 companies through like, it's not just, you know, education. It's like we do need to like take notes from a lot of what's worked in the legacy world in Web2 without exploiting people's data and making, I think, some of the same mistakes. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I have all the respect in the world for others out there that are, that are marketing. 
for me, when I'm evaluating teams that we would invest in, whether it's through 4RC or whether it's been me as an, as an angel investor, I am looking for founders who are very naturally good at marketing themselves. Because to me, the, the best marketing is, of course, first just establishing a product market fit that people didn't realize they needed or, or clearly were you know, vocalizing that they, that they do need. That's great. We all want really strong leaders, but in Web3, there's this sense of the community because everyone owns tokens and it's weird. They have to walk a very fine line. They have to be charismatic. They have to, you know, have an opinion that helps to guide us in terms of governance. You know, like there's at the end of the day, a lot of people holding tokens will vote based on what the founder's looking for. And so it just takes a really special sort of person. So I would I would say like, I get nervous when I meet founders who don't see themselves as a marketing leader. I think that you can go and hire out for it in some cases. Chainlink has this like incredible CMO. I, I don't know her personally. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but like Sergey hired her years ago. And Chainlink, I think, is a has been a reflection of like she's been a marketer at Google previously, which doesn't mean that that you're a great marketer, but like she is. She just is really good at telling a story, creating a brand, creating trust in that brand through like all of the work they do. That's my take on it. Just to touch that. Yeah. So Chainlink CMO is Adeline. Adeline. That's it. Adelaide or Adeline? I'm not sure, but I've been in a few groups with her previously. I think like a couple of years ago, I was in a group with her. That sounds like someone I should 100% ask to be on here. Yeah, I agree. Chainlink does a phenomenal job. They have an amazing ecosystem. We have a friend, Zai, who works on their ecosystem team. And yeah, they've they've really done an amazing job to build out like a, just an incredible foundation and some really great resources as well. And obviously their community is something else. It's uh, probably one of the most engaged communities, I would say in the space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's funny. Cause like, if you think about the job of marketers in web three or the CMO, I mean, there, <laughs> there's like a few different stories you want to get out. You want the story of obviously demand and usage around your application that people, you know, are using this and they need it and, and that others, other builders should be implementing it. But you also have a story of, Founders who, again, know how to express a strong viewpoint that guides the project, but they know how to also listen to the community, listen to the users and sort of step back and not be, I, I don't think Steve Jobs like would do well in the Web3 space. I think Steve Jobs would have struggled as like a, like a tyrant who's like, it's my way or the highway. Yeah, the founders walking that line, you have the product market fit. It's also sadly become about focus at this point. Like, I think that there's, if you recognize there's going to be hype cycles with these projects, no matter what it's, I'm not, you know, accusing any specific founders of, of creating those hype cycles. I think that they, they, they are going to happen no matter what you need founders who can remain hyper-focused when the hype cycle dies down and, one of the things that I feel like I've been privileged to learn about uh, that I I don't believe was the same back in 2018, 2019, and 2017 is founders are just the founders that I've had a chance to work with through 4RC and, and personally as an angel is they these founders are just they are not satisfied at all. Most of the ones that I'm working with are they're thinking about like how to make their protocol integrate with everything, work with as many builders as possible. They recognize we're really, really early. Some of the market caps have, you know, are, are of these projects too, have gone up to hundreds of millions, if not over a billion. But I think the best founders are the ones who like, they feel like they have a chip on their shoulder, like they have something to prove. Those are the types of folks that I want to work with. And I think that even as a CMO or a marketer, you won't be able to fix that sort of a thing. Like you need someone who is like savagely hungry to really build, to not be complacent and become satisfied with what they've built. And 
I think 2022 can be a huge year. I think that 2021 was the best year ever, of course, in DeFi, crypto, Web3. But like, I think we got into some really frothy, that there was definitely some like frothy times to that. And I, I feel like the DeFi community especially became aware of this as attention shifted hard into NFTs and the stories of people flipping NFTs for lots of money. So I, I think there's been a healthy sort of pullback on interest in DeFi. It's it's funny because like TVL is up and to the right still. I mean, we will we will be at a trillion by the end of this year. We're at 200 billion-ish today. I think we'll be at a trillion. The top 10 DeFi projects today all have over a billion in TVL. Years ago, less, what was it, two years ago, we had less than a billion in total total value locked across all of DeFi. So like, I think you'll have a project with a hundred billion probably this year, just, you know, a single project, whether it's something like Curve or Anchor, I mean, maybe something like like a money market like Aave. So that was a very... Uh, very sort of divergent answer, but it was but, a great yeah. answer. It covered everything. Covered it all, yeah. Yeah, thank you, thank you so so much for coming on today. It's been awesome to hear, yeah, about your journey and about yeah the education space and how DeFi is growing. Everyone, if you want to get in contact or follow along, it's just DeFi Dad on YouTube, right? And DeFi Dad at DeFi Dad on Twitter. On Twitter, it's DeFi underscore Dad. If you go to defidad.com, that's the YouTube. And then please, if you're a founder, a builder, whatever, if you got a great idea, um, reach out to my team at fourth, F-O-U-R-T-H, fourth revolution.capital. We would love to you know talk with you about that idea and see how we can possibly help you as a partner. So yeah, no, James, thanks so much for having me. This is a total pleasure. And uh, keep up the great work yourselves uh, with, with the agency. You guys are doing really great work. I think we have quite a few companies that could benefit from working with you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. All the best. Awesome. Thanks so much. Bye everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of growing web three. You can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at hype partners forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening again and be sure to hit subscribe to listen to new episodes first. Growing Web3 is brought to you by Hype Partners, the leading community management and marketing agency for Web3 organizations. Hype is a global agency of 120 marketers committed to supercharging Web3 ecosystems. Go to www.hype.partners to learn more.